Growth stories, life lessons, turning points, service to others, truth, no bullshit. Adding value, no smoke and mirrors, being the pressure, third down and 10, win or learn, always the underdog with a chip on your shoulder. These are the things that I think about when I talk to this group. From service academy fleet leaders, NFL players, NASCAR drivers, tech gurus, private equity, small business, big business, to the entrepreneurs making the way of the future, winning at all costs with uncompromised integrity, paying the price of admission. Let's go. I'm glad to get to talk to this guy today after reading over the, the memories of your inner circle and uh, what they shared about you, Sean Reaver, Zach Hester, Thomas Wilson, and Doug Ott. And I got a small blurb from a guy named Coach Johns. Uh, the memories, you know, after I read over those memories, I like, I was like, man, those are good memories. And it really resonated with me. Um, so excited to get your perspective on things and where you're at today and where you're at in life. So here we go. This is uh, Tyler Goble, Navy football, inside linebacker, senior of 2015, class of 2016, a quantitative economics ma- major. Um, so he was one of the smart guys, three point, like three, five GPA. Yeah, three, four. Yeah, three, four. pretty close. You bracketed it all. That's good. All right. Um, so this is him um, from Plymouth, Michigan, native, born and raised. Uh, in his military service and in infantry platoon commander, he had weapons platoon 3-6, which means 3rd Battalion, 6 Marines uh, in the great USMC, and became a data scientist at the Marine Corps Recruiting Command. Today, alongside his wife, Lindsay, in Washington, D.C., they founded LTG Investments, a versatile firm in real estate, design, data science, now residing in D.C. Uh, you dedicate yourself to community service uh, and, you know, kind of side hustle, side nonprofit, side, um, you know, purpose is... Um, Unbound now, yep. an anti-human trafficking nonprofit. Uh, I actually looked up that website today. Pretty cool. Yeah, um, they do awesome really, work. Really proud of, of what you're doing there just by looking at the website. So that's awesome. Uh, lastly, working on um, a cool DC initiative, Capital Creators and Champions. Uh, his hobbies building software applications. And I have a question about that. Yeah. Uh, small group church, uh, getting taken for walks by my wife, Lindsay. And that my brother is a good thing. <laughs> uh, you'll have to tell me more about that. So yeah, absolutely. Cool. All right. That's the intro. Now getting into memories. we got Zach Hester first up. Um, Tyler is a great man and brother for us all. Uh, fourth quarter story. I believe it was during off season before senior year. There were, you know, a few mornings, unusually cold temperatures. You know, imagine that. Uh, during warmups, it was windy on Rip Miller, and most were trying to feel their extremities in the cold. And so early in the morning, you know, you know, for people that don't know what fourth quarters are, it's that before spring practices hit. For all college football camps throughout the nation, there's this couple of weeks, once before spring break, once after spring break, uh, where you get to go out at, you know, I want to say 4 a.m., but I think mm-hmm. in my mind it's like 3 a.m. Uh, it gets earlier every time you go back to think about it. Exactly. And uh, you get up and you go out there and you just get your stuff pushed in. And, uh, <laughs> So it's it's always really cold. Sometimes there's ice on the field, but it's pretty high intensity. It's it's an HIT workout for an hour ish. Um so um but when when you got there, Tyler was on the front quoting Gladiator. Well more like uh screaming, if you find yourself riding alone in green pastures, do not be afraid. 
For you are in, and help me with this word, Assyrium? Elysium. Elysium. Because I haven't yeah. watched Gladiator in a while. Yeah. Elysium. And you are already dead. So <laughs> that's a, a note on my uh, my checklist to look up and understand better. So. That is funny. Um, which, when you did that, you were like kind of hysterically laughing about. So. Oh, my gosh. That is funny, Zach. Yeah. He said, uh, Tyler intimidated the weak-minded and motivated the rest. Uh, he was the front runner without a care of circumstance, inviting the pain to come and bring the energy. Tyler always, you know, met any, any obstacle head on, usually with a smile and tenacity. As Tyler would say, God hates a coward. I'd be shocked if he doesn't bring that phrase up. Uh, That's funny. Definitely an inspiration. So next one. Sean, uh, Sean Reaver, he is incredibly consistent and disciplined. I think there's a theme there. I think they all said it at some point. Yeah. Uh, in college, he always has black coffee. I would say there's a theme there, too, before practice. Uh, always first in line for drills. Never misses Sunday church. Also a theme. Uh, wakes up early to journal, pre-read the Bible, gets his thoughts in for the day with coffee, of course. So, next one, Thomas Wilson. If Tyler commits, it will be 100%. He doesn't do half measures. He doesn't do eh, just a little bit. No, you're all in. Um as a friend, teammate, Marine, husband, Christian, real estate, or data scientist. For example, one thing Tyler's extremely committed to is maybe some Miller Lite. Might be the only one that he goes for. That's funny. Uh, he's also extremely committed to Navy football, goes to, and that was his funny part. So, um, committed to Navy football, goes to most. You know, home games, keeps up with the teammates, etc. Um, probably watches every single snap of Navy football, but no snaps of non-Navy football. So, All right. Cool. Uh, on a serious note, he's inc incredibly committed to his wife, Faith, real estate, and Marine Corps. Um, he taught himself data science, coding. Um, to be better at investing. He actively seeks out a church wherever he goes, gets stationed, forms relationships. Um, and he, he will tell anyone that listens that being married is the best thing in the world. True. And then he said, maybe because otherwise he would have to starve <laughs> or never have any clothes. So, all right, last one. Doug Ott, um, your roommate, you played Navy football, did some trainer time. Um, Tyler is one of the most principled people I've ever met. He follows his moral compass, which is grounded in, one, strong Christian faith. Two, sticks to his guns, your principles. Um. Tyler's also not a fan of the rules, <laughs> dot, 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 that he doesn't see a bias for, you know, like tie that back into principles, strong Christian faith, like what makes sense? Um, and then, you know, maybe a rule you broke was not being able to have a coffee pot <laughs> in your room, but you had locked up in your office in your confidential locker every day so you can make that coffee. So, um, on your energy, you know, you got hurt in the second to last game, your senior year and weren't able to play against army in a bowl and a bowl game against Pitt. Um, that you were an ultimate team guy and you made your impact. 
uh, felt by just running around the practice field screaming, come on, cousin, <laughs> and bring the energy. Uh, last month of the season, it's kind of like the, the finish line is there, and I just got injured. Oh, you know, my, my one-minute mile turned into a 50-second mile but I'm going to keep pushing. And uh, that's kind of, you know, my takeaway on this is that that's a pretty good, good story. Um, Tyler told me one day in, in the spring of our senior year that to bring the energy. Uh, it was going to be his, his last official leadership style, quote unquote, as a Marine. And when you decide to become a Marine officer, you decide to read every single Marine Corps book uh, that you get your hands on. Uh, when you were they were driving somewhere for the weekend, and most of us were trying to forget about the academy for a few days. Tyler was sitting in the back of the car, reading about stories of Marines from Iwo Jima. Uh, and I'm, a, I'm about to close this out, but I got to hit the last couple. Uh, when Tyler decided he wanted to get involved in real estate and investing and an impact on human trafficking, he also dove in headfirst. No one is more dedicated to a passion than Tyler, and I truly admire that. When Tyler decides he wants to do something, he is truly all in. And all in is a theme throughout all the memories on multiple wave levels. So that's pretty good. And the checks are in the mail. So only had, I think it was like a hundred bucks each for them to say all those nice things. So gotcha. Yeah. That's pretty good. Uh, I got one last memory, Coach Johns. His senior year in 2015. Was an eleven and two team. Yeah, we roll. He also said uh, Tyler always gave all he had. So that's it. Story time. Turn it over to you. Say what you want. Man, I didn't know that was gonna happen. Jeez, like Boom. I love those guys, man. Like the formative years of my life for a thousand percent playing Navy football, playing with those guys, um, living with Doug, like pretty much living with those guys. Like, you, sp you know, you spend so much time with your teammates and man, it's, it's so much fun now getting to look back on it. Um, and I, I don't know. I'm kind of speechless. Honestly, you got, you got me on my heels right now. That was, that was Dude, crazy. That, that's why I start like, so I normally make an intro, but I made a special blurb of an intro for this one because I was like, Reading over the memories is like, man, those are killer memories. And like, <laughs> I want people to say this about me. So I need to really open this up for this guy because this guy has a past of doing the right things consistently. So man, that's why I did I, that. Well, I appreciate that. If, if half of what they said is true, then I'd, I'm going to go to my grave happy. So, man, that's great. Boom. So winning. Yeah. Yeah, man. Um, so take us to, you know, we, we heard the intro memories, where'd you come from? Where'd you grow up? Yeah. What brought you to, uh, Navy from there? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, from a little kid, I'd always wanted to play football in college for some reason. Like, and it was weird. It was just college. It wasn't like the NFL. <laughs> so for some reason I was like, I want to play college. Well, when no you're when you're NFL that young, college is the NFL, right? Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> like I, I know I had one of my coaches. They, they played um in college, and a couple of them like played for Michigan, and so they bring their hat, bring their helmet. Um, and from like age seven, I was like, you know what, I want to go play football in college, and that was pretty much it. Like I was like, that's what's going to happen. And so from that age up through high school that was my driving force. I was like, I'm going to play ball. I'm going to like do as much like as I can playing football. And 
I called every college in the country, like literally every single one of them, <laughs> every D1 school. What about um, Texas? Called Texas. Called nice. every, I mean, everyone. I would show Rice? Up. Yeah, I called Rice. I called yeah. them all. Every single school yeah. you got on a list, I called them. Um, I sent them my film. I went to camps. Um, there were multiple times where go to Penn State's camp. I'm from Michigan originally, so that was drove out to Penn State with my dad, did their camp, slept in the car, did Ohio State's camp the next day, like went back home, did another camp the next day, and was just super, super motivated to do football in college. And so for me, like it didn't matter where it was as long as it was Division One and as long as I was like in doing it. And so I got strung out quite a bit by a lot of schools, probably like a lot of guys do. And when you sling as much mud as I did, like there's plenty of opportunities for school to do, to do that. <laughs> like if you talk yeah. to everybody, there's at least four or five schools are going to be like, you know what? He could probably well, walk that, on. That's impressive though. Like slinging mud on all the schools across of America. Like this was back when idea. like 24 like, seven sports was kicking off. Do you know, have you ever seen them? Yeah, they're like the ranking so. thing, like rivals yeah. and twenty four seven. That was when twenty four seven was just now starting, and like rivals was the only only ranking agency. And so, um, it was like at the dawn of people like posting links to highlight tapes. Like I was sending CDs and DVDs and stuff like that. Mine were VHS. So yeah, <laughs> I got gotcha. you. So, um, but that allowed a lot of schools to kind of string me out. So I had some offers to like Division One. Double A's, Ivy League schools, um, some Mac schools. My brother, he played at Bowling Green State. Um, nice. So that's a Mac school, good Mac school. Um, and when he was there, I think they, they won the Mac championship. So they were they were doing well. Um, and I had originally committed to them. I bet they, you probably beat him up a, a time or two. No. Oh, we're getting a few fights. He's a, he's a DN, so he's a little bigger than I am. Oh, um, Okay. And the way I, I always like describe Ronnie when we're talking about football is like he was like 50 times more athletic than me, but his only problem was he wasn't playing when he was seven. He was doing other sports. And so I think had he done what I did, like he would have been potentially like NFL caliber. Like he was like a four, six, four, five, 40 kind of guy. Um, yep. Really, really physically talented. And as he went on in college, like you could tell, like was, turning into dominant had like four, like two knee surgeries though, like towards ACL a bunch of times. Um, mm. But anyways, like, so I had been committed to them, but I was committed to them on the, on the condition. I was still able to talk to another couple of schools. And I basically told Bowling Green that I was going to stay committed to them until the end of October. And then at that point I was going to either just stop talking to these other schools or I was going to decommit and kind of open things back up. And I actually talked to Navy and they like told me to buzz off. <laughs> They're like, we don't, we don't uh, think you're any good or something. I don't know what it was, um, yeah. but they ignored me when I tried to reach out to them. But October came and October went and I was still like getting sweet. Nothing's whispered in my ears about these different schools. And so I was like, listen, I'm going to decommit. Um, though I, I would appreciate if you don't pull my offer, but I would like to continue pursuing these things. I think they had some legs. And when I did that, that's when Navy came in and that's when they offered. And so I hadn't, I hadn't had a clue what Navy was. Like I had zero idea that one, it was even a college. Like it's like a bunch of enlisted guys, like running around playing football. Like, what is that? Um, yep. But then went to the army Navy game, met guys like Tyler Simmons, um, Nerthen, nice. Matt Brewer, those guys, that generation. Um, you still talk to Tyler? I hadn't talked to Tyler in a long time. Yeah. No, but I, I wore his number. I wore 54. So he's like my great grandpa or he's my, he's my grandfather, I think. And now I've got like great grandkids <laughs> running around yeah. wearing 54. I'm trying to get him on here too. So yeah, I need to give him a shout. Push him. He was my um, TAD on my official, my official visit. And nice. so um, he introduced me to his sponsor family and all that kind of stuff. So he was a huge part of me going to Navy, but cool. um, kind of push came to shove and it's like, if they don't tell you this, like Navy doesn't fill up, there's no scholarship limit. <laughs> so I was able to ride the lightning all the way to signing day. Lo and behold, none of these quote unquote big name schools um, ended up coming and signed to Navy. And definitely like best decision I made my entire life was, was going to the Academy. Um, the friendships awesome. I made, like 
you guys just heard four of my absolute favorite people in the world that I still talk to every day. Um, love those guys. And uh, had I not gone to Navy, I would, I, I just know I wouldn't have had deep connections like that with folks. And so I'll forever be grateful that they took a chance on me and let me come and try and play there. Awesome. Yeah. Cool. So what comes next? So what comes next is finding out that everybody's really good at football and it's not just you. And so um, <laughs> the Navy is like, we were talking before we started recording about the Dublin Ireland game freshman year. And like, yep. I didn't go to that game. Like I didn't travel like all freshman year. I was, I think I dressed for like two or three games, but other than that, I was watching from the stands, which at Navy is not that an uncommon thing. Like usually unless you're like, pretty talented as a freshman you're not necessarily going to dress for every game and i only knew of jeremy miles in my freshman year moving up Keytrick buffin i think was another freshman that moved up Uh, i can't think of any other freshman oh uh white Millison. yeah there's it doesn't happen very often no no it doesn't and that was a shock to me because i was like I thought I was pretty good and you get to play college football and you see the type of athletes that exist. And like the line is just so thin between like even like the four string guy and the first string guy in a lot of positions that it was, it came down to a lot of different things. But um, freshman year, I was just definitely not good enough to even do anything other than practice squad, which drove me insane. And so heading into sophomore year, I was like psychotic. Um, I was just sprinting as fast as I could everywhere I was going, doing everything humanly possible to get an edge. Like, I don't think I took leave more than a couple of days that summer. Cause I was like, I've got to get every single ounce of going like hundred miles an hour or else I'm going to get left behind sophomore year. Um, and I was like, I can't let that happen. And um, thankfully, like I was able to get on some special teams sophomore year um, in the first game against Indiana, I pulled my hamstring and blew my hamstring up on kickoff. And uh, I was like, crap. <laughs> like, if you know anything about, um, like, college football, yeah. it's like – Right behind you... Achilles tendon, hamstring comes second. Yep, yep. And it's yeah. like, what have you done for me lately is the mantra, you know? Like, it's not one of those things where if you're just trying to break into the lineup and you get hurt, that True. you're just going to get your spot right back when you're healthy. Like it's not, that's not the case. Um, yeah. Consistency, right? It's crazy. And so sophomore year was kind of recovering from that in the very beginning and then just taping that thing up and doing everything I could to get back on the field somehow. Um, and at this point I was still pretty, I think selfish and like really wanting to play because I wanted to play. It wasn't like, yeah, I wanted to win games, but it wasn't one of those things where, it mattered probably as much to me as the team did in a way. Like I wanted to play. Like I didn't want to get left behind. I didn't want to Dude, like we all do. TV. We all want to play. We all want you to know? play. Everybody listening to this right now. They want to play. Yeah. But like you said, team wins, but we want to play. Yeah. So and, and it but it's easy to say that. It's easy to be like, you know, yeah, the team wins. I'm happy. But let's look in the mirror here, folks. Like Yeah, exactly. Do you like, really feel let's like be that? real. Yeah. <laughs> so, dude, I want to step up to the plate. I want to be, you know, the guy pulling the sword out of the stone. Yep. That's just human nature. And it's not like those are negative emotions and stuff, but like the no true way. the true team thing solidified for me like heading into junior year. So like I had gotten really close with a lot of the guys by that time. Um like after you sign your 2 for 7s and all that and you you bond with your seniors before they're about to leave that's when it kind of clicked for me that like, I actually, yeah, I still wanted to play really bad and I did everything humanly possible that my body could do. Like my, one of my buddies, um, Joe worth year older than us, we would always look yeah. at each other and be like, I'm, I got a whole lot of want to just not a lot of can do. It's like, I'm, I'm trying and my body's going to do it, but we'll see if we'll see if I actually am good enough. But the big like mindset shift was like, am I good enough for the team? Like what's the role that I need to play on this team? Like, I'm going to try as hard as I can, but at the end of the day, as long as we win and as long as I'm contributing to that win by playing my role, that's where it, like, actually felt felt right. Um, and so junior year came and went. I got to play linebacker. I rotated in a decent amount. 
played special teams. And then senior year came around and like at Navy, you teach like the, the seniors, like teach the younger guys, the defense. And so I'm like teaching the guy who's way more talented than me, everything that I know about the defense in like spring ball and the summer, like, like I'm telling them how to do all the different things and give them as many different tricks. Like I was always a very like analytical player, like film study, like my advantage was always just knowing where I needed to go. And then if I could get there fast enough then I could make the play, but I wasn't a guy that would be, that could afford to take wrong steps, you know? And so senior year came around and it was the same thing, but the difference was I just knew that I was doing everything I could for us to win games. And I was being the best teammate I could be. And truly like me playing, it didn't matter as much as us winning or my buddies that I had been there for four years, like them playing and them like having a huge moment. Like one of my buddies, like making a pick. Um, I think Don has been on this, on this podcast. Like one of my favorite memories of Navy football is him getting a pick at linebacker. We played the same position and like him almost like taking it to the house and then coming to the sidelines and celebrating on the sidelines. And I had a, had dinner with him in Vegas maybe about two months ago okay. um, after I, uh, I was looking for a new job. I went to this conference. I was, you know, and he was like, Hey, you're in Vegas. Hit me up. Let's go get some, you know, get some food. So good story. Yeah. yeah I'm going out to see him in uh, a couple weeks here for, for a conference, but we're going to go get breakfast nice. and coffee and stuff. But you guys probably went to the diner, cool. his, his family's restaurant, or did you go to somewhere else? Uh, somewhere uh, closer to where I was staying, at the, it was a diner. I don't think it was his favorite. Okay, diner. maybe <laughs> gotcha. a competitor. So yeah, he was probably poisoning yeah, the food in the back. One. Yeah, got. It. But that was my like my Navy football experience. It was like not. I think the thing that I learned the most there was like what it actually felt like to really be like in a team and not making it about yourself, really making it about the team. Um, so. Cool. So that was the Navy football experience. I got to ask, do you have a fun uh, coach story or memory from a certain coach yeah. saying or anything like that? So coach Johns, we, oh. I, uh, I probably drove him crazy. Cause I was, like I said, I was psychotic. Like I was doing every, I would wear all white. We were all psychotic yeah. back in that day. It's all good. You were alone. Would, I would wear all white to practice every day because I was like convinced that that would make me one look taller and look faster. And like, I think it was the last couple weeks of the season, my senior year is like, go, but why are you wearing white? Like why you had those gloves on? Those are from like Ohio state. Well, he would say ago. stuff like that to yeah. Clint Sovey too. And Ross and me too. So like that, that's not yeah. a, uh, outlier type yeah. of comment from John's. He's, he's got to keep it light too. You know, just like yeah. we have to, when we go into work, we got to have that one or two people that were just like, Hey, what are you, what are you doing? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I, one specific thing was, um, I think it was junior year camp. So it was coming off sophomore year. It's like junior year is like, okay, this is the year that I could probably break into the rotation. Um, and we had moved like a couple really talented guys into the inside linebacker room, which was like a code for being like, I don't think Goble's the guy. <laughs> like we need to get some horses in here. And so I was running around with my hair on fire doing special teams as hard as I could because I knew for sure that that was my foot to travel was making sure I could do special teams really well. And um I just remember being in the film room one time and he's like, guys, and the way coach Johns would talk, he'd be like, like so-and-so you've got to start doing better at special teams. And he's not talking to me, but I'm like sitting in there like front row with like my notes, like ready to go. And he's like, so-and-so you have got to start doing better at special teams. And he goes down the line to like four other people. And I'm like, Jesus, I'm like, what, what about like, like I'm trying really hard. And like, I've been doing good at special teams. Like, and so it was one of those things. And he's like, if you guys, he said blatantly, if you guys don't start doing better at special teams, I'm going to have to start giving global reps. And I'm in the room. <laughs> oh my God. Hey, I would say based off of my limited life experience, that's a good thing. Well, I got so. to travel. 
and I got to play some. So, um, Boom. who knows? But it was it was hilarious. I was just like, "Am I insane? Am I in the room? Does he know I'm in here?" Um, but <laughs> no, he, yeah. he definitely knew what he was doing. Yeah. So but, don't take it as a uh, you know a bad thing. It's definitely a a compliment. So, um, what about like? Do you have a you know a greatest memory on the field? Like I remember this man. one day. This was amazing. What I don't was know. That? It was all just so good. I mean, senior year, we, okay. we had such a good season. And it was like that entire year felt like one huge, long week where it was like you're just so in, in sync with everybody on the team and everybody's pulling the same direction. And it was, it was one of those experiences where, like, when I was in high school, I had a really good, like, team in high school. Really gelled with my, my buddies. Like, I was just at one of my – old high school teammates weddings. And I was like, I don't think I'm ever going to get a team like this where truly like, I love these guys. Like they're the best. And then senior year, that's, it was like that again, which those are the kids I played when I was seven years old with. So like growing up from seven until 18, like playing like a dozen seasons with the same guys. Um, but in at Navy in a period of four years, we got to that same level of, of like trust and stuff. So. Awesome. Good stuff. All right. So you leave the academy. You go to Quantico. Yeah. Or, yeah, it's Quantico. Yeah. Become a Marine Corps officer. Tell us how that whole Marine Corps after graduation transition to Quantico to, you know, where you go to in infantry. How does that go? Yeah. So it was one of those things where I was just trying to find the locker room again. Um, I actually went to TBS with Sean and with, with Thomas. So they're both, they're both Marines too. Um, and in my mind, it was like, when I told my mom, I was going Marine Corps ground at first, she was like, I don't know about that. Um, like that seems a little crazy. And I was like, there's no way I would go infantry though. Like I would, I'll just like go do something that's not that like insane. Like I wouldn't do that. But then over time, <laughs> yeah, it was if like, my son got drafted in a few years. I would tell him to go air force. <laughs> So I, I feel her. Yeah. But it was just one of those things where like all those guys, all those heroes in my life, they all went Marine Corps, Marine Corps ground and they all went infantry. And when I got there, it just clicked for me where it was like, those are my people. Um, like those are the guys I want to be around. And so thankfully got selected for infantry out of TBS and did another three months at Quantico running around the woods there and then showed up to Camp Lejeune, North Carolina for my first unit, which was um, 3rd Battalion, 6th Marines, and got to lead uh, Kilo Company's weapons platoon. And so that's like all your machine gunners, rockets, mortars, explosives, like all the stuff that goes boom is kind of co-located in that platoon in, the, in a rifle company. And so did that for two years, um, got two years of platoon commander time, which was great. Um, loved it. Yes. Went to um, good old Okinawa for a UDP as my deployment and uh, floated around, went down to the Philippines, went to mainland Japan um, and got to just have a blast with those guys. It was literally like being on a, on a football team again with just these Lance Corporals doing like the dumbest things, but you still love them. Um, yeah. And then sometimes just doing stuff, you're like, wow, man, that was like incredible. And so um, did two years of that. And then went over to weapons company to be the XO over there. And so that's just kind of where all the heavier weapons are in a, in an infantry battalion. And from there I was um, getting ready to get married. And so when I got back from, when I first showed up to three, six, that's when I met my wife through one of my other Naval Academy roommates. And so he was actually dating her friend. And when I was at IOC, he connected my wife and I, um, and I was too busy to be doing anything but like eating food and drinking water and walking around in the woods. And so I didn't think too much of it at first. But then when I got down to Lejeune and checked into my unit, we had some downtime before um, they got back from the 24th Mew. And so when they got back, um, I started talking to to Lindsay and we're kind of like going on like what Thomas was saying about like being 100 miles an hour all the time. Um, from the first time we talked, to her being in North Carolina was like nine days. And so she went to Dallas Baptist in Texas. So that's like kind of the Texas roots for us. 
Um, and great we were state. just great state of Texas, the, the great nation of Texas. But um, <laughs> we were just of the mind where I was 22. Like I wasn't looking to get married necessarily, but I wasn't like shutting the door on that. And we were like, you know what? Why don't we just meet each other immediately? Find out if either of us are crazy and like not waste our time talking back and forth um, and do a long distance thing when we've never even met each other in real life. And so bought plane tickets. And from there, it was like a year's worth of um, long distance dating. And then we got engaged, went on UDP, came back, got married two months after that. And we've been married for about four years now. And it's just like, nice. the, like Thomas said, it's the best thing in the world. Like I love marriage. I love being married. Um, and does she cook for you? I think, I think you say, does she cook for me or care for me? Cook. Oh yeah. Yeah. She's like a phenomenal cook. So nice. thank God. Cause I was eating like plain chicken breasts and tortilla wraps when she found me, <laughs> um, breakfast for dinner, like every night, you know? Yeah. But, um, so that led me into weapons, weapons XL. And from there I was kind of at like the jumping off point. So that was like four years in the Marine Corps by the time I got there and I got orders out to Naval postgraduate school in Monterey, California, which if you don't know, that's like a six year commitment. It's not, it's not four years. It's not like three years, it's six years. And I was um, standing on top of a observation post and we were like doing a call for fire X in Camp Lejeune and my battalion XO called me. And I remember vividly, it's like looking over like on the backside of the berm and like, Sir, like, as long as it's not like six years or something crazy, like, I think I would probably do it. And he's like, okay, yeah, that's, it's definitely not six years. And then hung up. And so I get home from that field exercise, tell my wife that, hey, it looks like we got orders to NPS. I think it's like in a four-year commitment, but not really sure. Got to figure that out. But we'd be living in Monterey, California for two years. Um, and she's like, oh, that'd be cool. Like, I'd like to do that. Um, <laughs> and, sure. And so by the time we figured out it was six years, we had already gotten like emotionally committed to being like two years in California would be pretty fun. Um, and so we went ahead and signed on and took those orders and headed out to Monterey. And that's where that, I got my master's. But my favorite place to live in my entire, you know, life's journey is Carlsbad, California. Yeah. That was awesome, dude. I mean, it's, but California is, you're paying for the weather. It's awesome. Well, true. But in my mind, it was worth it. Yeah. Yeah, we were just out there a, for uh, a conference and um, visited the down in like Carmel and Monterey and stuff. And we're like, we'd love to come back. But Nice. Don't know those areas, but from my experience in California when I was there, while the price was high, I really enjoyed it. I think it's changed over the past four or five years. But um, while I was there, it was awesome. So. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, absolutely. So you do your time in the military and what happens? Yeah. So you decide that, to get out or what's the that, trigger there? Well, that's kind of like, we're at like a weird point now where when we checked in the NPS, like when I first went to three, six, I bought a house. And so I did like the classic, like one of the boys has got to buy a house and we're all going to live with him. We'll pay him rent instead of somebody else. And I was the guy who bought the house. And so that was kind of my introduction of to real estate and yeah. it was great. Like it was probably the reason why my wife and I were able to get married was because I didn't have a mortgage when I was like living the whole time in, in uh, Camp Lejeune. Cause I had four roommates that were paying me like 400 bucks a month for their own like full bath and bedroom. And so it was like Good a great for deal you. for everybody. Um, yeah. And when we I got was married, so smarter like you back in that day, I was like, man, I wish I, I wish I was more entrepreneurial back then than I am now because now I'm paying for it. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I, I'll probably touch on that later, but like that was a huge moment for us was buying that house and like understanding really baby steps. Cause as like a, a, a grunt, you are working all hours. <laughs> like you're not like all this yeah. like side hustle stuff. So if you're a grunt now. with a family with five kids, how would that go? I mean, I think it, it'd be hard. Like, I think that yeah. is probably one of the hardest things is being in an operational unit, like as an actual, like grown up adult, not some 22 year old kid that 
is dating a girl that now he's getting engaged to her. They don't have kids. Um, so I, I applaud folks that can figure that piece out because it is definitely hard. Gotcha. I had to ask a question because it's come up on a couple other episodes. And when you said that, I was like, boom, that's a perfect situation. Like if I could go back and I could be in his shoes, like. Yeah. Doing I mean, we, were, right. we were super blessed. We had a lot of folks, um, a lot of football players too, that gave us great advice and like, we're told, sure, like, told us like, you know what, you can, you can buy a house. It's not like you're getting locked into 30 years forever. Like just sell it. <laughs> you know, it's not like you're signing a contract that you're signing your life away. But um, when we got engaged, we were like, probably not going to live in the frat house as a married couple, newly married couple. That's a good thing. And so I think. we looked for another house and we ended up, um, I don't know if you remember <laughs> Hurricane Florence coming through on the East coast. Back in like uh, 2018, 2019 timeframe. Probably. It like smacked all of North Carolina. And so we ended up actually buying one of those houses that got almost completely demolished. Like it had no roof. It had no insulation. It had no plumbing. It had very little electrical. And yeah. so that's like a perfect house. Whoever to like, sold it didn't have the energy. You did. You came in. Yep. You brought the energy <laughs> that's right you made that's it right. work yeah and so we bought that house and we fixed it up ourselves um and so kind of got to touch all the different pieces and we got married and then when we got orders out to nps we sold both the properties in north carolina and bought a house out in monterey um but as a newly married guy that's where we were trying to figure out like okay newly married what do we do with money like you make in real estate where if you sell a house now all of a sudden you just got 50 grand or all of a sudden you just got 40 grand um deposit in your bank account it's like not normal w2 style income yeah, i just scratched off a lotto ticket yeah <laughs> yeah but what do i do but, with it like what do you what do you do with that from a generosity perspective so like we're very devout christians and so we always tithe off of our income and so we give at least 10 percent of our money to a nonprofit or to, to, to the church. Um, and Shama. my, my wife was like, why don't we give it to my mom's nonprofit? And I mean, you've probably like heard people like their family has a nonprofit, but it's like they're feeding who knows what, like lizards in Arizona. And it's like some <laughs> weird a nonprofit, nonprofit feeding yeah. some pigs. <laughs> exactly. Pull a slot on my leftovers. Yeah. And so Talking she said it. that. she said that and I was like what the heck like what is she what is the nonprofit like I didn't really know about that and she said it's called Unbound Now and they're an anti-human trafficking nonprofit and in my mind I'm like anti-human trafficking like I don't have any clue what that is and I also don't know if Susan's running this out of her garage on like a laptop and just like posting inspirational messages or something like I don't know what's going on um but I wanted to be a good husband wanted to like have something that we both cared about um, and I really didn't care where the money went at first. And so I was like, yeah, sure, babe, we can donate to unbound. And so we gave like five grand or something to unbound and like did other stuff with some of the money. And Susan called me and she was like, Tyler, just so you understand for $5,000, we're able to have like a full-time employee in a country like Mongolia, Indonesia, those different kinds of places. And they do nothing but like stop people from being sold into slavery into places like China, um, all these other different spots where the American dollar just goes further. And so when she said that, I was like, oh, my gosh, like five grand isn't a small amount of money, but it's also not a whole lot of money when you're considering like somebody who's yeah. full time saving people's lives. And so that's when yeah. we kind of made the pivot to go, you know what, like we flipped one house. Like, why don't we try and flip more and help provide more money for the, for the nonprofit? Um, and so we're a for-profit company. When you talk about uh, human trafficking and nonprofits, I think of uh, Black Rifle Coffee Guy. Yeah. Similar story, similar mission. Um, you know what I'm talking about? So, like, why he started Black Rifle? Just to, like, connect that? No, no, it's not about the coffee. It's more about, like, the mission of um, 
you know, the veteran community yeah. attacking a problem or whatever. And mm-hmm. there's the coffee company and there's the, the not coffee company. Okay. Uh, I wasn't aware. Nonprofit. No, okay. Uh, yeah. I'll share something with you. Um, the yeah, reason why great. I say that is you never know who's listening. There's an algorithm in my connection. Yeah. Know. Yeah. No, seriously. <laughs> I mean, you would be shocked at like getting on podcasts and talking and like doing this. Yeah. Is Dude, huge there's for so much non-profits. power in it because you never know who's listening. You never know who, you know, can. Yeah. It only takes one person. That's right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. And and that's like the thing that Susan says all the time. It's like human trafficking is such a huge problem, but literally it's like just save one more. It's like that Hacksaw Ridge mantra, like just save one, one more. It's like how much would you yep. give to like save your daughter, or save your niece or save your nephew from being sold into something that's just horrible. And so when she, when she basically broke it down for me like that, I was like, okay, we'll go full spreadsheet mode here and be like, what, what would it take for us to like fund the whole thing or something crazy? Um, and so what we ended up doing was over the next two years out in Monterey, we built a business and started hiring some folks. And, and instead of kind of golfing for all my free time, we just spent all of our free time building LTG investments and, um, over a period of about 18 months, we flipped about 20 houses in central Texas, but then also We're started kind of Waco. Nice. Good old Waco. I'm from Liberty Hill. You know where Liberty Hill is? Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Nice. It's a small world. No but that's doubt. where Unbounded is. When you said central Texas, I'm thinking Austin, but you said Waco and I'm like, okay, a little north central. So. Yep. Yep. I kind of the you. midpoint between Dallas and Austin. Yeah, that's where Ross is from. Yep. Yep. But um, so that's what we we got into when we were out in Monterey. And the whole time we were in Monterey, it was kind of like going back to sophomore year at Navy where there was like a shot clock in my head. And I only had so much time to build this business before I was going to go back to the Marine Corps, back to a normal Marine Corps job and do my four year payback tour. And so we were sprinting as hard as we could for two years getting this thing off the ground, making it legitimate and getting to the point where we could hire out all the things that I couldn't do when I was working in the Marine Corps job and have systems and have relationships in place to where we could have Lindsay do the things that Lindsay already does and then have an assistant or have bookkeepers and like have built a relationship with investors and stuff like that to not have to do anything that was time sensitive on my end so that I could still be active duty and do my active duty obligations, but the business wasn't just going to die because I wasn't there, which was a huge blessing. Cause I mean, that's really when people start businesses, oftentimes they're just giving themselves a job. And so for us, we wanted to have a real business and we wanted to be able to run with minimal impact. If I wasn't able to be there eight hours a day working on that thing. Um, and so that has since gotten kind of turned into real estate as like a vehicle to help funnel funds from like our deals and whatnot to unbound, but then also a way to um, kind of channel our own, own specific talents. And the, the real estate stuff I'm doing now is actually more focused on like commercial real estate, as well as like doing consulting work for real estate folks. And right now it's like leaning as hard as I can into the stuff I'm doing at the Marine Corps. So I'm a data scientist for Marine Corps Recruiting Command now. But that skill set that I work on like eight hours a day at my normal Marine Corps job, I'm recycling those same skills into these different consulting engagements that I'm doing for folks um, from a data science perspective. And so LTG Investments started off in the single family home world, but we've kind of grown over the last three years into more commercial stuff. We still do some single family things. and then a lot of like consulting and like business optimization stuff with the data science stuff. So I know that's a shotgun spread of a whole lot of stuff, but that's kind of where we're at up to speed now. Yeah, dude, like you got my head spinning. It's all over the place. But long story short is you're still in the Marine Corps. Yep. You're still active duty, which I didn't know until tonight. <laughs> reading you know all the stuff you're doing like 
With what you just said, with you and your wife and what you got going on, you're still active duty and doing all these other things on the side. How do you do that? I think it's, we work a lot. <laughs> okay. And so we work a lot. Right. Um, sure, when we first started the, uh, the business, we, we came up with like core values. Like whenever you start a business, people are like, you got to come up with your core values. Like what, what matters to you? You don't know. You don't know what matters to you. Like you think you do, you can have like a flowery mission statement, but like until you've kind of like been in the trenches, like stuff like all in like Enom, like those things mean things to me. But wow. the, yeah. the core values of LTG, in the trenches, yeah. you will discover those values, right? Yeah. And you find them. And for us, like in the last six months, basically we've, we've figured out that what we care about is community. We care about people. We care about awesome. work. Like we actually, I, I really firmly believe that like meaningful work is one of the best things that you can do for folks. Like I think having yeah. a job and providing an opportunity for, sure. for a job is so important for people um, because I think we were designed to work. And then the tip of the pyramid is generosity. And that's usually financial. Like if we're going to be honest, like I think a lot of people will be like, you don't have to give to be generous. It's like, yeah, but you probably can. Yeah, you do. Yeah. <laughs> you probably can give. Just because it's easier yeah, to not like, get money. So when, and I've gone back and forth on this with myself internally for a while. I was like, all right, money is where we need to go. Money is how we have to make it happen. Yeah. And I'm like, no, money's not that big a deal. No, money is the enabler for generosity. Yeah. And that generosity makes other really great things happen absolutely so and you know who can't give money people who don't have it <laughs> so that's where we're passionate about is like building really really profitable businesses and helping people do that and so for us it's like generous or community so people driven stuff like we want to do stuff that's like good for people so like fixing up properties good for people like doing data science that provides jobs and helps businesses make more money that those businesses that we work with are user already generous. And so I know if I make like Tony more money, he's going to do something smart with that money. Um, and yeah, then I probably, if, if you made me money, I'm going to give you a tip. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? But the tip, <laughs> the tip is in form of wages, you know, like that's, it's a, yeah, even well, well, that tip might be, Hey, Hey, I got a referral for you today. Yeah. Um, I know this guy that knows this guy. Yep. So it just totally like it, it compounds. Yep. Like a, yeah. It's, and that's why it's that's crazy how the whole thing value. happens. If you got that mindset that you were talking about, I'll turn it back over to you, but you got me pumped up right now. Yeah. So. Well, I mean, that's why community is the foundation. And again, going back to Navy football, it's like, do you want the team to win or do you want to be playing? Like, you want the team to win. And when you think team like wins. that, and when you do that, you will win and you'll care more about that stuff because we, we set financial goals for the business. We hit the financial goals. Guess what changed? Not much. <laughs> like The intangibles. It, who cares? Like The no intangibles, one... the intangibles change over time. Yep. The next step, the one more mile, the one more connection, the one more phone call. Yeah. Because of all that rewind uh we all you know had these same values and we're in this giving mindset and now all of a sudden things are exploding then yeah you know and it, why and it's a compound interest like problem you know it's like when you consistently actually care about people and you give to them more without respecting expecting anything in return like and it truly not expecting anything in return like you're not looking for a kickback. I'm just trying to help people. And what I've found in the last three years of, of entrepreneurship is all of my consulting clients have been referrals. None of them have been people that I advertise to. Um, it's always been me just talking to people and actually caring about what their problem was or caring about them. And then them hearing somebody else and going, you know what, like Tyler could probably fix that thing for you. And then we get connected and then everyone, everyone wins. But um, it's just, that's, that's what we're really excited about is, is building real community with people and 
I was just talking at the game last weekend um, where we beat good old UAB. And um, just looking around the tailgate and seeing all these different people and seeing people like talk to each other and like, man, I haven't seen these guys in like six years. And it's like you pick right back up with them. And that level of community that we had from the brotherhood is just so it's so impactful. And I know that like anybody that made it through that program, like if they need help, all they've got to do is hit that distro and someone's going to bend over backwards to help them, you know, and having that kind of a safety net is just incredible. And so with all we've got going on, what we're really leaning into now is like our new kind of initiative is inside of DC, we're launching an in-person meetup in order to kind of try and bring that same level of community to just normal everyday people. And because like, just because you played Navy football doesn't make you any better than anybody else. It does give you a whole lot of responsibility, I think, to give back and help other people out and connect people and, and help just show people what the world of possible is. It's something I like to think a lot about. It's like, if you just didn't know that you could turn right, but and so you're just going to keep going straight. But if you know that you can turn right, you might do that and it might be really good for you. And so that's where we're with all the things we have going on. We're always trying to like foundationally focus on community. And so that's like the yeah. thing that instead of doing a bunch of marketing for the business, instead of doing all those different things that you would probably think a traditional business would do, what we're actually going to start leaning into. And really we launched it like last week was building real in-person community in DC where a majority of like Navy football players end up doing their last tour. I've found out like a lot of guys end up finding their way back towards the Academy in yeah, some way. Eighth and I. Eighth and I. Um, <laughs> That's Quantico, a big one. TBS, like all these yeah. different places. And so, um, that's kind of my next, my next like entrepreneurial endeavor nice. that weaves into the whole business. Out of all the uh, podcasts that I post and all the teasers and all that, I think um, Dallas Fort Worth is the number one like viewer, and yeah. then the second one is DC. Is so it really? Wow, That's it great. is. It's fun to watch all that data, but yeah, you're preaching to the choir um, about data. <laughs> yeah well i'll share my data with you you can tell me what i need to be focused on so i can grow this thing bigger so uh yeah awesome what do you uh so for you what's your biggest obstacle the mountain that you're currently climbing what's that for you today man it, it's focus and you probably can tell from the like all the different focus. pots that we have it's staying yeah dude i think staying focus focused is, on something yeah. And not chasing shiny objects. And what's been really helpful to try and overcome that has always been finding one common thread through it all. And so for us, we're basing those common threads on community, work, generosity, and anything I'm doing that's not in line with those three things, we throw right out. But then unless it's also in line with like data science and doing like technical code work, then I also throw it out. And so that's meant saying no to a lot of stuff that um, opportunities that will pop up. Um, Like when you've been, when you run a business where a primary function of the business is raising money, like raising money for deals, like connecting investors to deals, you end up getting sent deals all the time. (laughs) And so it's really easy to get shiny objects. Actually, I'm actually interested because I want to learn more about that. So I'm like, yeah. You after this, yeah, we can definitely so. talk. But, but the bottom line is like staying focused on something that's a common thread that allows you to be more efficient in whatever you're working. And so, for me, it's like staying focused on community work and generosity. And any business venture that we enter right now has got to have those three, three, three things like teed up, perfect. And then it also has to involve me being able to leverage skills like for the data science stuff. So. Long answer, short question. Nice. Um, last one. Price of admission. Man, I think I think the price to admission is really, really caring about more more about other people than you care about yourself. And I don't 
I don't know if you have to get married to do that. And you probably have to have kids. I don't have kids either, but I didn't realize how selfish I was until I got married. And I also didn't realize how selfish I was until I wasn't playing. I wasn't like a star player at Navy. Um, but once those things clicked and like at Navy, when it clicked for me that I actually cared about the team more than I cared about myself and then getting married and actually caring about your wife more than you care about yourself. Um, that's the price of, of admission. Like if you can, if you can do those things, then you can have anything you want and what you want is going to be for other people too. So. No doubt. And you might say those things. I'm not saying this about you. I'm saying yeah. this about a general pop population. You might say those things, but until you totally feel it. Yep. You'll understand. So I, I right? got the chance to be on a board for an award at the academy this past spring. And the question I asked those people on the board, the mids, was like, what is something that you really, really, really wanted and you didn't get? And it's like that answer to that question is a really telling thing for me. Or it's like, is the thing you really, really wanted, were you just trying to buy a house or was it like, like, and why didn't you get it, you know? And so that's, for me, it was playing football and I didn't get it because I wasn't quite good enough, but that was okay because we won. We, we went 11 and two, we rule. So... <laughs> Yeah, better than us. We were ten and two, so you got a you got a feather in your cap <laughs> on on me, brother. No, not at all. <laughs> nice. Well, dude, uh, really appreciate your time tonight. Uh, I had some other questions written down, but I think you answered all of them throughout the conversation. Mm. I think you're um, definitely light years ahead of me with your age and where you're at right now. So for that. Um, it probably challenges me a little bit. So like, I'm going to wake up tomorrow. I'm going to reflect on this conversation and be like, all right, where does Tony have to get better tomorrow because of this conversation tonight? And for that, I'm grateful for this, grateful for this podcast. And I'm also thankful for Lindsay. So tell her, thank you for your time tonight. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks awesome, for the opportunity, too. Tony. Really appreciate it, brother. Step it up, up, always take the risk. Up, up, living life, life. Go hard and don't quit. Go hard, drip, splash like the ice on the wrist. That's a call I can't miss. Set my goals like a goal, hit the switch. Work, 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 check it off the checklist. In a position to win, in a position to go. In a position to win, in a position to go. In a position to win, in a position to go. Stay loaded with that lethal Don't get caught up in the evil No, all I know is I got people Hey